Uh, this is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Please download, rate, and subscribe. Five stars, five stars are appreciated. We come at you three times a week. Okay, Mark, so we haven't looked yet too much at the playoffs. Uh, we're going to dig deeper into Seattle this upcoming week. We got a lot of time to look at also the rest of the juicy matchups across wildcard weekend. But what happened today to allow the Seattle Seahawks to get into the postseason was something that I, I didn't necessarily expect um seattle is going to be the seven seed san francisco the two again like mark said it's going to be on saturday uh that uh that first um for a very first game of wild card weekend so you know obviously you're getting a team the third time but you know seattle <laughs> manages to get by the rams <laughs> and uh baker mayfield today in overtime miraculously enough and then the detroit lions on sunday night football uh, turned that one into a bit of a ball game. And who knows if Aaron Rodgers is going to be coming back to Green Bay. But, you know, we, we were just talking about, you know, what you'd like to see, what you wouldn't. I, I do think you have convinced me, though, Mark, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it felt like Seattle, the third time you're facing them, might present. I, I, there's just something a little bit tricky about that. And especially the way with the Packers looked during the game tonight, the, the Lions just we're pulling out the, the kitchen sink, trying to beat those boys on their own home field and send Rogers potentially home for the last time at Lambeau field. Um, it does feel like Seattle sneaking in, whether it be unfair or not. Um, that that's a team that's going to be very confident heading into that first round of the playoffs. And I, I, I certainly can't overlook them, even though maybe today didn't inspire much confidence from uh, Seahawks fans. Well, We'll get to Seattle. We have all week to do it. I know we'll talk about it a little bit here before we wrap up this up, but I want to focus on the Lions for a sec. I am so sad that their season is over. I have grown to really, really like watching the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell is one of my favorite people in the entire NFL. I think that Chris Collinsworth, if you were watching the the Sunday Night Football broadcast on NBC, Chris Collinsworth made a really great point. It was after that third and long before the fourth down that they converted to ice the game, where it was the quick throw out to Amon Ross St. Brown, who then immediately as he's being tackled, tosses it backwards to the running back who then gains what, like 12 yards to set up a third and relatively short, which then becomes the fourth and short that they convert. Um, or maybe it was third and third. and Yeah, long. no, it, it was third and long. He, he pitched it back right. to Swift. It was it was a hook and ladder. Like he called a hook yeah. and ladder on third and long with a game that <laughs> meant nothing. Essentially. And then it became the fourth and short that they converted. And yeah. Chris Collinsworth said, you know, on the broadcast to Mike Tirico, his, his partner said, you know, we, we've been talking a lot. Is this Lions team less dangerous now because they're not, you know, playing for a playoff spot? And Chris Collinsworth was like, well, I'm not sure the Lions call that play if there's a playoff berth on the line. Perhaps they're more dangerous when they have nothing really to play for aside from trying to knock out the Green Bay Packers. I thought that was a, a good point from Chris Collinsworth and probably true, but it doesn't change the fact that I have immense respect for Dan Campbell and, and what that team did going into Lambeau. It's not a great Packers team. We've talked about that all season long, but that took some guts to go in there and win. And certainly everyone in the Pacific Northwest was rooting hard for them. So fantastic season to the Lions. Uh, I, I Honestly, I, I know I've, I've talked a lot about how I, I was a little fearful of them, at least of this group. Perhaps I would be most fearful of them. Um, 
but I was rooting for them to get in, honestly. And I know it, it all went down the drain when Seattle won in overtime in the earlier window uh, as opposed to Sunday Night Football. But I thought the Lions, one of the best stories of the season, I thought they deserved to get a playoff berth. But uh, they showed out on Sunday Night Football. That was quite a game. Yeah, it was. It also put into perspective for me just how father time is is catching up to some of these quarterbacks around the league. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he is incredible. He is on his way to Canton, first ballot, no doubt about it. But he missed some throws tonight that I feel like even last year he would have made. And who knows if he'll be wearing you know that, that green and gold jersey again. I did see that Jamison Williams, after the game, walked yeah. up to him and asked him for his jersey, and Aaron Rodgers said, no, nah, I think I'm going to keep this one. So read into that as much as you would like. It To me, it just says in, in a classic Aaron Rodgers fashion that he doesn't know. He has no clue what's going to happen next year, but just wants to be safe and keep the jersey as a memento just in case. Um, I, I personally think that, that that to me is a little bit of a product of a division game. And I think also maybe why Seattle struggled a bit with Los Angeles today. But clearly Detroit, like they wanted that game as badly, if not more than the Green Bay Packers. And for a team that had about you know, nothing to play for, figured out they had nothing to play for. They like, I, I can just imagine Dan Campbell before the game, seeing the Seahawks win in overtime, watching that last kick and being like, you know what? I'm going to go out and give a better pregame speech than the one I had already <laughs> planned for my team. Uh-huh. So I, I'm completely on the same page about the Lions as far as them being a fun team, a really fun team to watch in the future as well, uh, with, with also Dan Campbell. But the question I, I kind of have, Mark, is like, you know, did the playoff scenario unfold for the 49ers favor? Like, did they get a little bit fortunate in this situation? Like, I, I've come around to the fact that Seattle could be a threat, although I still think they're going to be a touchdown underdog on the road. But, you know, would you rather play Geno Smith or Aaron Rodgers? Maybe at the end of this game, I would have said that I would have rather played Geno Smith. Maybe I would have rather played Aaron Rodgers. But with around the rest of the NFC, um, you know, the two seed locked up, like if, if you're the 49ers, maybe you do think Seattle's the team that's the most beatable. Maybe uh, you certainly could think that. I mean, I, I think they probably, well, I mean, you know that you've, you've had success against them this season. That gives you a certain level of confidence, but in, in the back of your head, you know, there's that thought and that cliche, oh, it's hard to beat a single team three times in one year. It's difficult to do. Um, but I mean, when it's when it comes down to it, the Niners are the better team. They have by far uh, much more talent and they're playing better football right now. These are teams, despite the fact that Seattle did win to get into the postseason, they are kind of trending in different directions. Remember, this was the Seattle team that was leading the division for the first half of the season. Niners overtook them in the middle of the 10 game winning streak and ultimately won the division by beating Seattle in Seattle, and they haven't looked back on their way to uh, a, a gigantic season, a 13-4 and four regular season. To answer your question, did the postseason, you know, did the setup, did the seeding kind of play the way the Niners wanted it to? I think so. If we try to extrapolate this out a little bit, it's Niners against Seahawks, Minnesota against the Giants, Tampa Bay against Dallas. Winners of those games, of course, advance to the next round. So does Philadelphia, who has the bye. The 
worst overall seed will take Philadelphia and the remaining team would take the winner most likely would take the Niners most likely assuming that they they knock off the Seahawks and the highest remaining team is probably Dallas because they didn't win their division they're the five seed which means they would go to Philadelphia and the Niners might get say a Minnesota perhaps the uh, the Giants pull off an upset, and the Niners would probably get Dallas because the Giants, so the lower seed, would, would then go to Philadelphia. I, I think I'm going a little too deep into this. But ultimately, the point is, if things play out on a relatively normal, I don't know, expectancy, the the third best team in the conference, Evan, which I think you and I could probably agree is Dallas, and you might be a, a holdout for the Vikings. I know Dallas had a really pathetic performance this last week against Washington, but ultimately it didn't matter because the Eagles did win and that Eagles game was was over pretty quickly. Um, they're going to take on a, a really tough Dallas team, most likely in the second round of the playoffs. And then who knows where it goes from there. So I think while, while the Niners would have loved to get the one seed, obviously, as the two seed, I don't think that the, the postseason matchup could have really fallen much better for the 49ers in the NFC. Well, yeah, and that's why I do think like we'll have time to go through you know some of the matchups a little more in depth. But just looking at New York, that's a team that can I think beat Minnesota on the road. Dallas, I think they like they should be the third best team in the NFC, but today did not play like <laughs> it because Dak Prescott in the last three weeks has been a shell of himself, uh, or or maybe this is who he is. I don't know. I I'm trying to figure out who the hell Dak Prescott is. I'm sure like everyone else is. But, that, but that's my point is beyond the top two teams, each each team that's that San Francisco is going to face in that second round, of course, should they beat Seattle, is going not to not going to be a walk in the park, but compared to the AFC is going to be, in my opinion, a significantly easier path to get to the conference title game. And yes, you're going to have to go to Philadelphia in all likelihood. But unless they get knocked off or, you know, Jalen Hurts isn't 100% and they got to go with Gardner Minch, who knows? But Dallas can beat Tampa. Tampa can beat Dallas. I wouldn't be afraid of either of those teams if I were the 49ers. And if New York beats Minnesota, then, you know, you're not going to get them. So you're going to get one of the other two. But if Minnesota beats New York, that's also a team you're not necessarily afraid of. So it, it isn't just that the, the playoff picture has unfolded, in my opinion, in favor of San Francisco, but it's that all of the teams behind them that they'll likely have to go through before they play the Eagles, I don't think are going to challenge them in a physical manner to the point where they are spent heading into that conference championship game, even though Philly would have a bye and that rest week advantage. Yeah, I think there's a very real possibility. I think this is the point that both of us are getting to. There's a very real possibility that while the Eagles have the bye, I mean, they certainly have the advantage. They earned that as the one seed. There is, though, a very real possibility that the Niners have, quote-unquote, the more favorable matchup in the divisional round. Because, as we've talked about, there is a chance, because of the way that the NFL works out their, their uh, postseason bracket, there's a chance that the Cowboys head to Dallas or head to Philadelphia in that divisional round and the Niners get whoever else survives, likely Minnesota, potentially Minnesota. I, the, the point is because there are two really good teams in the same division as the Eagles, that benefits the 49ers because there could be that divisional matchup 
in the divisional round of the postseason. So I do agree with you. you. You'd still would prefer to have that buy, and you know the Eagles deserve that buy. But if the Niners take care of business in the wild card round, you might hear some talk about the Niners being the favorite to win the NFC because the Eagles have the tougher matchup in that second round of the postseason. We're probably getting ahead of ourselves. I know the rest of the week we'll focus on the Seahawks and how the Niners can win for the third time against this team. I know we talked last episode about how embarrassing it would be to lose to the Seahawks in the postseason on your home field. Uh, We'll talk a lot about that, I'm sure. But I think the Niners are positioned pretty well uh, on a 10-game winning streak. There's no hotter team in the NFL than them right now. They have health, relatively speaking. They'll probably get healthier before the postseason comes around on Saturday. It is a short week, but still, things looking up for the 49ers. I think they're set up for success in the playoffs. Yeah, so right now they'd be facing the Seattle Seahawks, the two hosting the seven on Saturday, January 14th. The official kick time, according to the NFL, is 1.35. So make sure to get that in your calendars. The first game of the Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, Mark, the reason they are playing the Seattle Seahawks is because the San Francisco 49ers are the two seeds. So, my friend, you have the floor. Uh, I don't I don't remember exactly what day it was, Evan. But it I was a it was, long time it ago. It was after the Christian McCaffrey trade. I think it might have been during the bye week. I should have done some recon and, and tried to figure it out. Uh, but the Niners acquired Christian McCaffrey, then lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, and then went on the road and beat the Rams and improved to four and four. The Niners have not lost since. But after that, after the win in Los Angeles and the Niners became four and four, I came out with the fire hot take, Evan, saying the Niners would end the season as the number two seed in the NFC. And mind you, at that point, the Vikings had one loss. The Niners had four I had the guts to come out and say the Niners would come out with the two seed in the NFC. And would you look at that? They are the two seed as we enter the postseason. I get my victory lap and oh, Evan, it feels sweet. Yeah, two seed via the tiebreaker. <laughs> hey, the two seeds, the two seed. It is. Well, no, but that that's and this is what we're going to be talking about this week is like and why I I know Philadelphia is the one. I know that. They have home field advantage should they host a conference title game. But that's why I do think that like, it's starting to feel like to me, like the 49ers should run the table this postseason. They are 10 and two against the NFC. They swept their division. We can get into maybe their, the weakness of their schedule because as far as strength of schedule at the end of the season, it is technically the weakest of all the NFC teams. So whether they're untested or not, whether they took care of business, we can dive into that in Wednesday's episode. But for me, it's like, they have been so dominant against the teams they have faced, and you can only play who's in front of you. With the way that the other teams have looked, and Minnesota going from one loss to four, and the Niners going from four losses to four, like they have, in my mind, earned my confidence when it comes to the NFC in the postseason. So that's that's where I want to want to pick up on the next episode, Mark. And I know we're running out a little bit of time here, but uh, that's that's how I feel. I I agree with you. I want to get into that as well next episode. I I know we got to give out game balls, but really quickly, I wanted to read off one stat too. I don't know if you saw this. You mentioned NFC dominance in general, Mm -hmm. NFC West, more specifically Niners six and O they sweep their division. 
but they absolutely dominated. In those six games, six games, Niners scored 169 points. Opponents scored 53. The Niners were plus 116 in six division games this year, beating their opponents in their division by an average of almost 20 per game. Just straight up dominance. You gave me a lot of ammunition for the next episode right there. <laughs> All right, game balls, Mark. What do you got? This is a tough one because it was a real team effort. We, you talked a lot earlier about how spread around the attack was offensively. Um, I might be taking your pick, and for that I apologize, but I'm going Elijah Mitchell. Only five carries, but took advantage. Five carries, 55 yards in his return, and had two big touchdowns. Elijah Mitchell gets my game ball. The change of pace back behind Christian McCaffrey. He was good. Okay. Well, I, I kind of already slobbered over George Kittle, so you know, I don't necessarily want to do it again. I mean, don't get me wrong, I will. But <laughs> I think I think if I got to give out a game ball, it's probably – it's. It's the quarterback today. It's Brock Purdy. Okay. I know he wasn't necessarily anything special, but that's also kind of where I've, I've come to with Brock Purdy. It's like 15 of 20 for 178, 180 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, no turnovers, 141.2 rating. Like that is in a way against this Arizona Cardinals backup team, this depleted group. That is a ho-hum day. And for most other quarterbacks, I do think we'd be a little more excited about that stat line. But for him, because of what he has done, the consistency that he has shown through his first five starts, six games, and six wins, I'm to the point now where I am appreciative of it, and I think he deserves the game ball in this case for orchestrating and managing this offense today. But it is to the point now where it's become a little expected. Not necessarily the three touchdowns, but the efficiency and the flow of the offense and the production of points. That's where I've gotten to with Brock Purdy. So I, I maybe not just for today, but I do think that there have been a couple of games where I actually I, I probably haven't given a, given him a game ball where he deserves it. Uh, so it'll be Brock Purdy today. Yeah, good pick. McCaffrey, 79 total yards. He had a touchdown as well. He deserves a shout out. You already mentioned George Kittle. He was good. I think Nick Bosa deserves a shout out. He had another sack. Finishes with 18 and a half on the year. That leads the NFL. He is your sack king in 2022 in the NFL. He does fall one shy of Alden Smith for the Niners single season individual record. Uh, but he was talking post game about how it was a bigger deal for him to lead the NFL. And, and he had some guys on the staff keeping track of Hassan Reddick for the Eagles, who was second in the NFL. And once they saw Hassan Reddick did not have a sack late in that game, Bosa felt comfortable taking the fourth quarter off with just that first sack he had earlier. So Nick Bosa is your sack king in the NFL. He deserves a shout out as well, but plenty of praise to go around for the 49ers. Oh, speaking of sack Kings, I actually do have to give a shout out to uh, JJ Watt for the Arizona Cardinals True. playing in his very last game in the NFL. He was so good. And he was incredible. If, if he wanted to keep playing, I wouldn't blame him. Uh, 12 he had sacks two sacks this year. 12 sacks this year, two sacks against the 49ers. And on a defensive line where there's really not a whole lot else going on. Yeah. So for J.J. Watt to, to do that today against the 49ers, I thought was pretty impressive. And obviously, you know, over 100 sacks for his career. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the most dominant defensive linemen I've ever seen. And in his prime, that dude was unstoppable, mm -hmm. as well as a guy who could also bat down balls at a rate that I have never seen before at the line of scrimmage. So he was, in every sense of the word, a problem on defense and in his last game in the NFL remain that.
Yeah, and did you know this was actually the only active stadium he had not ever played at in his career? And he managed Ooh. to do it in his final game, and uh, it'll go down in the record books. Brock Purdy, the last quarterback that J.J. Watt ever sacked in his legendary career. Yeah, we'll see how long uh, that name remains in history <laughs> for the 49ers, as well as uh, also J.J. Watt, so... Who knows? Uh, but that has been this episode of the 415ers podcast. We appreciate you sticking with us, and we'll be back on Wednesday to break down. Really, the, I, I think we're going to take a look at the entire season. Obviously, we'll take a look ahead to Seattle before our preview on Friday, but a lot of good content coming your way and a look back at the season that is and the season that still continues on to the postseason. So they'll take on Seattle, two versus the seven. 49ers finished the year on a 10-game win streak, best point differential in the NFL. Brock pretty 6-0 in games that he can played the majority of in, and the 49ers are rolling. So, Mark, we're going to keep this thing rolling as well. I appreciate you as always. Yes, sir. You too, Evan. Look forward to catching up on Wednesday. Right on. Please download, rate, and subscribe to the 415ers podcast. Catch us wherever you download your podcast. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Ginnings. We'll talk to you next time.